You are listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bonace, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bonace. It's an honour to bring God's word to you this morning. And the word that I've got to bring is just one thread in the rich tapestry of, of God's will and his purposes and his plans that he is revealing to us this year through, through the sermon series that we've had. And the title of this message is Prepare for Persecution. Prepare for Persecution. And it's based on Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25. And it goes like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you do indeed speak to us. And we just pray that you'll open our ears to hear from you this morning, open our hearts to receive from you, and I just pray that you'll give us the courage to put your word into practice this morning. We ask this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a text out of context is a pretext, and so in order to really understand the, the significance and the magnitude of this, this short passage today, we need to go back the previous 11 verses and, and find out what had happened just before that prompted Jesus to teach his disciples what it really means to be his disciple. And also, we need to propel ourselves forwards and see where this was leading to. So just going back, first of all, it started with Jesus asking his disciples who the people say that he is. And the disciples said, well, some say, some say that you're John the Baptist, and others say that you're uh, Jer- uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, and others one of the prophets. And um, Jesus then turns and says, who do you say I am? And Peter pipes up and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies to Peter and says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What an honor, what a, what a privilege. Jesus has just raised Peter to such a high level. He must, have been, he, he must have been like on top of the world. This is amazing. This is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one that the prophets foretold, God incarnate, who is saying to Peter that, On him he will build his church. He will give him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then the text tells us that immediately after that, Jesus starts teaching his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem where he will suffer, where he will suffer at the hands of the elders and the chief priests uh, priests and the teachers of the law, and, and he will 
be killed. And then on the third day, he will rise again. And Peter's thinking, well, no, no, this, this doesn't sound right. You know, this can't be right. So with his newfound authority, he draws Jesus aside and says, never, Lord, never. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the concerns of man. That must have brought him right down to earth. And this, this exchange going from you know, a mountaintop experience to a real bottom of valley experience prompted Jesus to say, if you want to be my disciples, then there's three things you must do. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now bear in mind, he's talking to a group of men who had been with him for the best part of three years. They considered themselves to be his disciples, but Jesus is saying, if you really want to be my disciple, then this is what you must do. So we'll take these three things in turn, and the first one is deny yourself. So what does it mean to deny yourself? Well, the Greek word in the original text is apaniomai, and the verb aniomai means to deny or disown, and the prefix apo intensifies that, and the prefix apo is, is shortened to ap, so apaniomai is a very intense form of the verb to deny or to disown. And to get an understanding of what this really means, I think we need to go ahead to Matthew 26. Apaniomai appears only four times in Matthew's Gospel. It appears 11 times in uh, the New Testament. And it always refers to one of two things. It either means to deny yourself or to deny Jesus. And so in Matthew 26, the context is that uh, it's after the Last Supper. The disciples have gone out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus says to them, this very evening you will all fall away on account of me. For as it is written, the shepherd, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And Peter says, never, Lord, never. Even if everyone else falls away, I never will. And Jesus says to him, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me, Apaniamai, three times. And Peter says, I will die before I deny you, Apaniamai. A bit later on, of course, Jesus is arrested, and all of the disciples are scattered, but Peter follows at a distance. And he even has the courage, determined not to, uh, not to like, um, abandon or, or desert Jesus. He follows at a distance, and he has the courage even to go into the courtyard of the high priest. And he thinks, well, I'll just kind of be here incognito. It's cold, it's dark, there's a fire there, so he warms himself by the fire. And as he's there waiting to find out what happens to Jesus, one of the servant girls recognizes him and says, you were with Jesus of Galilee. And he says, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then he just withdraws and goes to the gate and he thinks he'll just wait there incognito. But a bit later on, another servant girl recognizes him and says to those around him, this fellow was one of them. He was with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter now curses and says, I don't know the man. And then a bit later, a group of them come up to Peter and they say, surely you are with them. You're one of them. Your accent gives you away. And Peter starts raining down curses and swears, I don't know the man. 
And then immediately the rooster crows and Peter remembers what Jesus had said, Apaniamai, and he goes out and weeps bitterly. So that's the intensity of deny, to deny Jesus. And so going to our passage today, Matthew 16, Jesus says you must deny yourself with that same intensity to put aside self-interest, self-preservation, self-importance, self-reliance. That is to deny yourself. Because the truth is, the truth is when persecution rises, when persecution comes because we are a follower, we will deny someone. We will either deny self or Jesus. And in John's gospel, we hear that uh, later, when Jesus had died and risen and, and come back, uh, he, he reinstated uh, Peter. He asked him three times, Peter, well, he says, Simon, son of John, actually, Simon, son of John, do you really love me more than these? Talking about the fish, because Simon had gone back to fishing. Do you really love me? Do you love me? And the truth is, when the chips are down, when that moment rises, the person that we will deny depends on who we love the most. If we love Jesus more than ourselves, we will deny ourselves when that happens. Then next, uh, Jesus says, you must take up your cross. Now bearing in mind that Jesus had just told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he will be killed. Jesus knew the manner of his suffering and death. The disciples also would have been familiar with the horror, the spectacle of crucifixion, seeing a condemned man carrying his cross to that place where he would be brutally and painfully executed. But what does it mean to take up your cross? In the film, The Green Mile, it's a, it's a film which is uh, written, uh, well, it's based on the book by the same name, uh, written by Stephen King. And the main character is a guy called John Coffey. And he has an obvious power and strength in him. But he is also very gentle and kind. And he has supernatural powers to, to heal the sick, to, uh, to cast out any illness, to extend life, and even to bring back to life that which uh, has died. And in fact, in the film, he brings back to life Mr. Jingles, a little mouse uh, that a particularly vicious um, prison guard on death row has crushed, a little pet mouse that belonged to a fellow inmate. Now, the author, Stephen King, uh, he, he did confirm in an interview that actually uh, the reason why he gave John Coffey the name he did was to have the same initials, JC, as Jesus Christ. Because the film is an allegory of modern Jesus, so Jesus in the modern context, and, and also the, the walk of a, of a Christian. And there's one scene in the, in the film where uh, John Coffey, who, like Jesus, is uh, falsely accused and sentenced to death and he's, uh, he's brought into the maximum security prison. And uh, this particular prison guard, uh, Percy Wetmore, shouts over and over, dead man walking, dead man walking, dead man walking. 
So to take up your cross is to be a dead man walking, but alive in Christ. Alive in Christ, alive in Christ. We heard, we heard earlier, uh, John said that Jesus is our living hope. In, um, in Romans 12 verse one, we, we read, um, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So when we take up our cross, we put to death the sinful nature by the Spirit. It's only by the Spirit that we can put to death the sinful nature, but we live in Christ, in Christ and for Christ. And then the third point that Jesus says is that you must follow me. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Follow me. Two simple words. Can't really, you know, be, you know, really any, any confusion about that. But when you think about it, it's really hard to follow Jesus. What does that mean, to follow Jesus? And I think Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1 is, is really helpful here. It goes, let us cast off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of life. So why is it so hard to cast off the sin which so easily entangles? Why is it so hard to fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, when I was younger, I was, um, uh, I was a bit of an adrenaline uh, seeker. Uh, some might say that that's still true. I don't know. Um, it's probably a bit more hidden now. But uh, I wanted to try every sport I could, and including parachute jumping and, uh, and hang gliding. And when I did the hang gliding, um, it was a weekend course, and we, uh, we spent a day and a half learning how to take off and, and how to control the hang glider and, and how to land. But the um, the instructor spent probably more than half the time on landing. And as Eddie would know, Eddie is a, is a pilot, and he knows that it's all fine and dandy to be up in the air flying, but if you can't land the thing, you're in big trouble. <laughs> so we spent a lot of time on landing. And the, the instructor said, just when you're landing, just pick a spot. We had a, a very large field in which we could land. There was just one obstacle. Right in the middle of this field was an old animal trough about two meters wide, about half a meter high, half a meter, uh, uh, sorry, two meters long, half a meter high, half a meter wide, right in the middle of the field. And the instructor says, whatever you do, do not, do not land on that trough. Just pick a spot anywhere in this field and land on that. Just pick a spot, fix your eyes on it, and land on it. But when it came of my maiden flight and I was time to land, no matter where I looked, in the corner of my eye was this trough. And the thing with hang gliding is that you, you, you steer with your, with your body weight, so you shift the center of gravity, and that's how you steer. And very small movements um, have a big impact. They're magnified. And so just by looking, by looking at this feeding trough, I suddenly found I was heading right for it. And at the last minute, just took evasive action and landed right next to it. And the thing is, the thing is, if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, something will grab our attention and pull us off into harm's way. 
it will pull us away into harm's way. And in fact, the, um, the, the algorithms that social media use are designed to bombard you with stuff, all sorts of different stuff. And anything that catches your eye, if you, if you hover on it for two or three seconds, it learns, and then it bombards you with more of the stuff. And before you know it, you're being drawn in a direction that you don't want to go in. The only way to avoid that is to choose what you watch, choose what you fix your eyes on. So Jesus says, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me. And then uh, in, the, in the, the next verse, Jesus says, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple, but, sorry, um, he says, uh, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now the thing is, the thing is here, um, just thinking about another film, which is the, um, which is the, uh, the Italian job. And in the Italian job, the, the, the theme tune of the Italian job is self-preservation society. This is the self-preservation society. And in, in, in the Italian job, the, there's, um, there's a, the, the lead character, uh, who's a, a, a cockney thief. Uh, so, so I'm talking about the, uh, the original Italian job here. And he, um, he comes out of prison, he's released from prison, and he immediately takes up a new job. And, and the purpose of the job, the job is to steal $4 million of gold bullion from, uh, th through a traffic jam in Turin, and, um, and to uh, right under the noses of the mafia. And then they would live, you know, live a life of abundance after that. So the theme tune is, this is the self-preservation society. And Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. And at the end of this film, it's a really entertaining film, but right at the end, they load the gold bullion from these minis into the back of a coach. And the, so it's a modified coach, and the gold can move around. And as they're driving up through the Alps, uh, through these hairpin, around these hairpin bends, the gold moves, and it sends the coach over the edge of the cliff, so it, it's just perched, it, you know, it's precariously perched over the edge. The gold um, at the back of the coach threatening to you know, drop the coach and everyone on it uh, over the edge of the cliff. Um, and the, uh, the crooks at the other end. And the crooks, the, the gold thieves can't get to the gold. If they move to the gold, they will all go to their deaths over the edge of the cliff. And if anyone gets out, then the rest of them will go to their deaths as well. So in the self-preservation society, you lose your freedom and you lose your life. And the thing is, Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is that if you, if you grab onto your life, if you hold onto your life, you will lose it. But if you, if you get rid of that, if you just, if you surrender your life to me, if you submit your will to God, if you become so completely dependent on me, then you will find life. You will find life, an abundant life. And that's what he's saying. So I'm just, um, just going to start to bring it together now. And so why, why prepare for persecution? Well, Jesus taught his disciples that uh, just as the world hates him, 
then his disciples would also be hated by the world. And just as the world persecutes him, so his disciples will be persecuted. The thing is, persecution for being a Christian is the rule, not the exception. In this country, we've enjoyed so many freedoms, freedoms to come together like today to worship, uh, to, to teach, to praise God, to pray. But in other countries, uh, Persecution is a daily reality. And uh, Eddie spoke about a pilot in Mozambique, I think, who for his faith is in prison. So persecution is a reality. And I, I just believe that the tide is turning in this country. And we can see that. We can see that by the stories in the media. And so I believe that God wants us to be prepared. So what will it, what will it look like? Um, just very, very quickly, uh, when I did the parachute jump, it was similar to the... Uh, uh, the, the, the hang gliding, it was a weekend course, a day and a half learning how to jump out of an aircraft in midair, control the parachute, and land safely. And then when it came to doing the first jump, we, we grabbed the parachutes, we went into a, uh, like a tiny Cessna aircraft, and the, uh, the door on one side, or the whole of one side of the aircraft was missing. Um, so from the aircraft, you could, you could see everything. Um, and, uh, and, and so we climbed up, it was a perfect summer's day, not a breath of wind, uh, not a cloud in the sky, you know, brilliant visibility, and we climbed up to the drop height. And uh, as we could see the ground, everything was really clear. And when the instructor said go, I leapt out and adopted the arch position, which is what we were told to adopt, and it enables the body to fall through the air, through the air stably, and the parachute uh, is, um, is well presented for the static line. So the static line tugged open the parachute, I looked up, found the, the steering toggles, looked down, uh, found the landing spot. Fortunately, this time there was a big red cross on the ground, so that was easy to aim for. And, and also the wind sock as well, which gave me the wind direction, because you have to land into the wind, because there's a forward speed on the parachute. So I, I steered and I landed, bang on the nose, bang on the nose, perfect jump, 10 out of 10. Woohoo, awesome. And so when the instructor said, do you want to do it again? We said, yeah, yeah, let's do it again. So there were four of us doing this. And so we just grabbed another parachute and then went into the aircraft and off we took. And it was probably less than two hours between the first jump and the second jump. But in that time, cloud had formed at the drop height. And as we were climbing and as we were coming through the cloud in the plane, you could see the plane flying through this cloud. There was, it was a whiteout out there. You couldn't see anything outside at all. And it just looked, it looked like solid ice, this, uh, this cloud that we were flying through. And it was cold and it just felt so different. So when the, uh, the instructor says, go, I leapt out and immediately self-preservation kicked in. You know, the, the instinct was just too strong. I threw my arms out in front of me and that caused me to plunge head first and spin onto my back. And when the, uh, the static line pulled me, it jerked me upright and <laughs> spun me around and I was tossed around like a cork on a, on a rough sea. And when I did finally come through the cloud, I looked up and I couldn't find my steering toggles. They'd got tangled in the lines. And then I looked down and I realized the ground was already very close and I was way off target. The wind had picked up from the, I saw the wind sock and the wind had picked up. I was running with the wind over rough ground and I thought, this is not good. And I thought, you know, I, I'm just going too fast across the ground to land as we were taught. So I thought I'll try a running land. Wrong move, thud. 
landed like a sack of potatoes and was dragged along the, uh, the ground. Um, fortunately, nothing broken, just bruised uh, physically and emotionally. But, <clears throat> but so this is yeah, mountaintop experience to valley experience uh, in a space of two hours. But the thing is, only one thing had changed, and it was cloud. You know, I, I had so much confidence, so much confidence that, you know, I could do this. I'd done it once before, I could do it. But then, you know, when, when, when I couldn't see, I couldn't see what was happening, uh, self-preservation kicked in. And I just wonder if it was the same for Peter. Peter was determined not to desert Jesus. He was determined, but he was afraid. He was really afraid. Um, but he had courage. You know, he went, he went into the courtyard, but he thought, I'll just try and be here incognito. But the thing that had changed for Peter was that Jesus was no longer with him. And it was dark, he was, it was cold, he was surrounded by potentially hostile people, and fear kicked in. And um, I, I, think, I think there are two, uh, two really, really helpful scriptures um, for, for, for um, you know, what uh, to prepare us for persecution. And the first one is 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 to 14. And it says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. Do everything in love. And the second is one that we've already had in this sermon series, which is Joshua uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, which is, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So just bringing this right down in now. So Jesus says, um, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Because the truth is, we will deny someone, either Jesus or ourselves. And who we deny depends on who we love the most. Secondly, take up your cross. He's saying, put to death daily the sinful nature by the Spirit and live in Christ Jesus, live in him. And then thirdly, follow me, for wherever Jesus is, his disciples are. And he calls us to be alongside him, alongside him. He doesn't say, follow me uh, from a distance. He says, come alongside me. Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. He's saying, walk with me. I'm with you in this. I'm always with you. And so I'm just going to finish there. I'm just going to pray, um, and, then, and then we'll move on to the rest of the service. Mm. Oh, Lord Jesus, I have just one prayer this morning, just one prayer. I just pray that you'll help me to love you more than I love myself. I just pray that for each of us gathered here. I just pray you'll help each one of us to love you more than we love ourselves. And for those listening on the podcast, help them to love you more than they love themselves.